Crypto enthusiasts have been the earliest adopters of NFTs, and that's really not a hot take to say that. However, cryptocurrencies have also been the bottleneck of NFT adoption. Crypto obviously offers a lot of amazing benefits. However, many people deny the benefits of NFTs simply because they do not see the value in cryptocurrencies. So today we're going to discuss some of the benefits of accepting traditional payment methods, such as credit and debit card, within an NFT project. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So there are three main reasons why accepting other forms of payment might not be a bad idea for an NFT project. And (gasps) gasp, I know that is absolutely blasphemy for a crypto maxi. Hearing this is worthy of an instant block or something crazy like that. However, hear me out from a business perspective. There are some benefits to accepting fiat currencies as payment. And when I say fiat currency, I mean traditional government backed dollars, euros, pounds, etc. And the first reason is accessibility. And when I say accessibility, I'm not talking about reaching out to minority communities or disenfranchised people. No, what I'm saying is the amount of people that would be able to access a particular NFT project. Because believe it or not, even decades after their inception, Visa and MasterCard are still growing. More and more people are coming on board and getting their first debit or credit card. And outside of the US and Europe and Australia, North America, The majority of the world is still unbanked, and that's sort of one of the premises for a lot of the push that is happening right now digitally around the world, such as in Jamaica, is because a lot of people do not even have a savings account, and they go to the grocery store to cash any kind of checks that they have and what have you because they just do not have any sort of interaction with the banking system. But still, the vast majority of people in the developed nations at least have a debit card for the most part. Even people like my stepfather who held out for years saying he never wanted a debit card has gotten one. Now he's doing online payments and such. So it is a completely different world. And the idea of the business is trying to serve as many people as possible. And I know some people might be saying, well, no, I'm not trying to serve as many people as possible. I'm just trying to get my art out or whatever it might be. But here's the thing. How I truly define a business is an entity that is solving a problem for specific people. And in doing so, they're going to turn a profit. I know that is a very general, all over the place sort of definition, not really textbook. This is not something that you're ever going to see in a business or management class or anything of that nature. But generally speaking, I believe an entrepreneur figures out how to solve people's problems. And in many cases, they're taking on those problems as if they were their own, right? They're going out of their way to do these different things and they're offering real life solutions. And as a result, people pay them. Now, entrepreneurs then turn around and start entities called businesses. And that's why I came up with that definition, sort of a hodgepodge, nothing that you're going to find in the professor's papers or anything. But that's how I look at businesses. So even if you're an NFT project and your goal is to keep a small, intimate collection, Generally speaking, you should want to solve as many of those people's problems as possible. And one of the easiest ways to be able to reach out to more people and solve more problems is by not limiting their accessibility with cryptocurrencies. Because one of the huge problems with that, it is a steep climb. You have to educate them about the wallets, getting seed phrases and so forth. And so many people can't even keep track of their passwords, much more asking them to write down the seed phrase. And one of the earlier episodes, I spoke about how one of my very good friends ended up having his seed phrase on his desk in his man cave and his wife ended up throwing it away. And that completely just messed up his world as far as NFTs. Luckily, he's still back in the game and he's doing things 
things within Web3. However, that was a hard pill for him to swallow. So a lot of people just do not understand the value of that and knowing that there is no customer service. They If they're locked out, like that's it. They're SOL, out of luck. Besides accessibility, sustainability is a real challenge for a lot of businesses that are trying to operate within Web3 using cryptocurrencies. Because here's the thing, generally speaking, a business should plan to operate beyond the ribbon cutting ceremony. And in the case of Web3 and NFTs, we're talking about the mint day, right? No one sets out and says, hey, the first day of our project is going to be the best and also the last day. We're going to be winding down from there. Of course, if that is the plan, that is called a rug pull. However, I'm going to assume that the people listening to this and the audience that I'm speaking to are not people trying to figure out how to do rug pulls. And these are people who are trying to hold legitimate NFTs, build sustainable companies within the space and so forth. And you're not looking for rug pulls. You're looking for legitimate things. So sustainability should be important, whether you're a collector of that particular project or you're the one who's putting them out, because hopefully this is something that's going to be around for the next year or 10 or beyond. And one of the problems with crypto is being so volatile is how do you budget? How do you figure out what you're actually making? That is a difficult decision for a team to try to figure out how they're going to budget all this stuff and try to make forecasts and so forth. And if you want an example of that, the interview when I spoke to Jessica and Sarah from the Rock Your Socks NFT, that was episode number 444. They spoke about how difficult it was for them to swallow the pill of knowing that the price of crypto was falling and they hadn't made the donations yet. So she went in her pocket and actually matched what people thought they were donating. Because if you're not familiar with that episode, just really quick, in summary, what they did was they sold these NFTs. And once it sold out the 63, they were going to donate to a charity that helped to spread Down syndrome awareness and what have you. However, it took a little while for it to sell out. They originally started at the peak of everything when ETH was around 4,000. And by the time that donation was made, ETH was probably half the price. But because she didn't want to leave a bad taste in people's mouths that thought they were donating, I believe it was $90 or whatever it was at that time, she made up the difference. So out of her pocket, she matched it up to the top. Now, if she had simply converted it out to dollars to begin with, she wouldn't have had that problem. But then some people will say, well, then you're also missing out on the upside. So that is one of the things with the whole fluctuations, things going up and things going down. It's very hard to budget as a business that has real world expenses. And these things could come from anything from licenses, whatever deals it is. You might have to license out some technology or you might have to license an IP or whatever. Then you also have, you have your utilities, electric bills, website hosting and servers. Not all staff is willing to be paid in crypto or in NFTs. So you might have to have assistants. You might have to have accountants, lawyers and so forth that require dollars as payments or pounds, euros, wherever you are located in the world. And then some of those employees might have benefits packages. Like, what are you going to do? Time off insurance and so forth, you might have to pay for that using dollars. And then, of course, the big one is the government. The government wants their taxes in that local currency, with the exception of like El Salvador, who officially accepts Bitcoin and crypto as payments. But most governments want their sovereign funds, their fiat currency to pay those taxes. And don't kid yourself, they want their money. But then, as I was saying earlier about the whole size of things, scalability is a huge problem. And I'm not speaking about the number of people that you can reach, but also the transactions that per second that might be heavily limited by a particular blockchain. So, for example, for Ethereum, you'll notice that during high traffic times, gas prices go through the roof. That's because it is supply and demand. It's just like Uber 
or any kind of surge pricing model the day before the Super Bowl or whatever it might be, the closer to an event, if it's sold out, there's a lot of hype around it, prices go up. Well, as far as what happens on a blockchain, it doesn't scale very well in most cases. You have the exceptions such as Polygon, Wax, and Soul. However, Ethereum, the big one that people love to talk about and really has all the attention, it's terrible at scaling. Even after the merger, still, you'll see that gas prices do go up at times and it hinders a project's ability to go and mint. But also when it comes to just economies of scale, when a business is running, in theory, things should get cheaper with volume. So for example, when Walmart is buying out an entire factory supply of, let's say, Tupperware or whatever, they're going to get it at a much lower price than the guy who's just buying a couple cases. But also you'll see this sort of scalability within the airlines, hotels, and even software companies. Because whether you have 100 or you have 1,000 or you have a million people using that software or service, each additional one gets cheaper and cheaper as you go. It's called economies of scale, meaning that the fixed costs, such as the lease for the plane, the mortgage for the hotel, or the staff that you use to develop that software, those are fixed costs. That's not going to change. So regardless of how many people are using it, the majority of those expenses are a fixed number. So the goal is try to get as many people in to help to cushion the impact of those fixed costs on the bottom line. So as far as being able to be more scalable as a business using debit and credit card payments over crypto, there's a lot of benefits from a business standpoint. And speaking of staff, in most companies, that is the number one expense. It's going to be a lot easier to find staff using fiat payments. As I said earlier, some people might accept crypto, but you're going to open up a pool. You're going to be able to find way more workers, a much more diverse talent pool and so forth if you're paying them in traditional payment methods. Not to mention advertising. A lot of agencies or even Facebook or YouTube or whatever platform is being used to drive traffic to that project or business is probably not going to accept any kind of crypto payment. So that's going to have to be in dollars or whatever. And even decentralized businesses, such as if you're hosting this stuff using Arweave or something of that, you're still going to have some sort of expense. IPFS usually has some sort of gateway that you're going to have to pay for in dollars. So whether it's Pinata Cloud or any of the other services, there are expenses with a business. So there are some legitimate reasons as to why a project might want to consider accepting fiat payments. But speaking of projects that are developing into a business and actually taking these things into account, I cover a lot of them in the newsletter. Typically, I do one topic in these episodes, but the newsletter, I do a lot of different things. And in celebration of having over 50 issues, I'm giving away a Crypto Tech Women NFT. So if that is something that you're interested in, please make sure you're on the newsletter. It is at niftybusinessweek.com. Information will be in the show notes. More details will be coming out about that giveaway this weekend. However, either way, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.